You got the chill. The chill. The chill. The chill. Everybody's ego takes a shot on this show. This is Rutledge and Hamilton with Jim Rutledge and Matt Hamilton. People like me. That's some booty, Jim. Presented by Coors Light on 100.5 ESPN. I am Jim Rutledge. You never go full run. <laughs> I, I He's hit and sacked. This time it's Chris Orr, the senior from DeSoto, Texas. Forty-five billion. You're a Packers fan, right? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm about to piss you off. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the Everlight Solar Studio with Matt Hamilton, here's Jim Rutledge. Taking your calls on near-death or near-major injury experiences in honor of apparently me breaking the news to Chris Orr that Zach Thomas, who played at Texas Tech, I think he's a Texas mm-hmm. guy, uh, which would line up his parents were building a house on their ranch when he was two years old, got too close to the back of a truck and got run over. I believe it was his head run over. He does have a little bit more of a square head uh, because of that. So we're asking you, 844-770-3776, share your near death experience. Daniel Sloth chimes in. Broke my L1 and L2 vertebrae 10 years ago in a car accident. When they when they broke, they broke out instead of in. If they broke in, it would have severed my spinal cord. Had a 10-pound weight restriction for a year. Two weeks after that accident, I told my wife she was pregnant with our first. Or my wife told me that I was pregnant, that she was pregnant with our first. So congratulations on that, Daniel, coming through that. Okay. Uh, Eric Madison caught in a riptide. Riptide had to sleep for 24 hours to recover from the fight. Uh, Brandon and Tulsa chimes in. I work for a Class 1 railroad. In my course of duties, I am often required to ride the side of rail cars. Ooh. One day, I was riding on the side of a rail car, and we approached a bridge column Ooh. that was only two feet away from the track. To prevent being squashed between the side of the rail car and the bridge column, I had to bail off and jump to the ground. I have never forgotten the fear I felt in the seconds before jumping clear of almost dying. <sighs> Tim in Oregon chimes in. Escaped in Phoenix. Uh, escaped living in Phoenix for long. The UV rays would have done me in. So that's his near-death experience. <laughs> uh, Sadler and Madison chiming in. I was riding my bike, hit a car. When it landed, I was on my feet. So thank you for that, Sadler. Okay. Uh, Jason, the Lions fan, chimes in. Viral meningitis put me in the hospital and mm. almost killed me. Craziest part is I remember none of it. Mm. Dave from Deerfield chimes in, saying that I'm a cheater because I talked to you during the um, the game, so I apologize <laughs> on that one. And um, Daryl Deerfield chimes in, what's the deal with the Bears DC? Uh, and uh, Daryl Deerfield, it sounds like his. Uh, so if you're chiming in early, if you're a little late to this, Allen Williams, the Bears defensive coordinator, has resigned. He didn't coach the defense against Tampa. He uh, cites he put in a resignation, cited personal reasons for health and with his family. His attorney has gone out and has since spoken and said there's been no raid on his house, mm. no raid at House Hall, and that uh, he is re- you know, retiring or resigning for personal re- health reasons. Now, mm. there's still a lot of gray area in there, but there was a lot of, I guess, he's making crap up on the internet. Yeah. And you know that's one of the things of uh, one of 10 million reasons why I will not pay <laughs> for X. If uh, <laughs> if Twitter tries to charge us for it, yeah, he's gonna, wild for that. Yeah, I'm not going to pay to get misinformation. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass on that. that. But it is a good example of uh, not everything you read on the internet is real. But we are chiming in eight four four seven seven zero thirty seven seventy six with your near death experiences. I'm Jim Rutledge. He's Chris Orr. 
Primetime will shine behind the glass. Uh, this is Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. If the mountains are blue, you know what to do. And that's Crush, a Coors Light. Uh, you can get it to the show, 844-770-3776. You want to share your near-death experience. Primetime, do you have one? I have a few of them, actually, unfortunately. <laughs> so, that dark side, that does. dark side. No, yeah. no, no real dark side, just the... Um, the tree nut side, unfortunately, oh, for your guy behind the glass. Ooh. I do have a peanut allergy, a tree nut allergy, and uh, I've run into it a few times where I've had a, a tree nut or a peanut and didn't have my EpiPen on me, which Ooh. was not fun. I was at work one day. It was uh, the summer of my senior year going into college, so my senior year of high school, um, and I was at work, ate a protein bar that my mom, my very own mother, oh. had packed in my uh, lunch that day. Oh, boy. Didn't She's going to see how resilient yeah, you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's trying to test me. Um, I failed, obviously. Uh, so not only did I fail to check the ingredients label first to make sure it's something I could eat, but unfortunately, I failed to bring my EpiPen to work that day. Ooh. So I actually had to walk up to my manager and tell her, hey, I'm currently going into uh, anaphylactic shock. I think I got to go home. Uh, so I... Ran, got in my car, didn't call an ambulance, just tried to drive home as fast as I could. I only live five minutes away, oh. which is why I thought I could get there in time. I did. Obviously, I'm <sighs> here today. Uh, um, but I was able to get back in time. Mom jabbed me with the EpiPen, started driving me to the hospital. We had to pull over because my body reacted to the nut by trying to throw up the nut. So I threw up on the side of the road. And then an ambulance showed up and picked us up. So that was probably the closest I've ever come to death, I would say. Uh, by the way, First caller in a minute to win it, Chris from Partyville, mentioned yeah. that uh, his near-death experience as well. He's hit two separate deer while riding a motorcycle before. Whoa! Yeah. I always wonder. That just seems terrifying. Oh, I mean, I can't. Like, my near-death experience was scary, but like, how does he, how do you hit it twice? Honestly, Ooh. to make it out of both of those is impressive. I'm not getting on a motorcycle. I don't have enough courage for no, that. No, no. Chris, what was yours? Yeah. My near-death experience was uh, actually my freshman year at UW. I got an infection. Uh, we were going to go play Illinois at Illinois. Uh, it's Friday. Friday morning, I wake up. I had the sweats all night. Wake up, go to the training room, tell them, man, I'm not feeling good. They check my temperature. It's like 103, 104. And like, okay, okay, like, give me some medicine. They're like, you're not going to do the walkthrough or whatever. Just try to, try to get everything down. Check again a few minutes later and... My leg was, like, hot to the touch. Uh, my temp was, like, 106. We go to the hospital. I'm still at 106. Damn! They give me some IVs. And, uh, yeah, I reached 108.2. Apparently, 107, you're supposed to be in a coma, and 109, you're supposed to die. So that's probably the closest I've ever been to death, for sure. That's definitely... Yeah, that's the closest. 844-770-3776. You can share the time you've dodged major injury or dodged death. I don't, off the top of my head, I don't have anything really that, that jumps out. I guess yeah. I'm, I'm lucky like that. But I did, um, when I was well, a kid. Well, you've been a Bears fan your whole life. Right. Hasn't that <laughs> almost brought yeah, you living, to living on the edge there. <laughs> I did, as a kid, I used to sleepwalk a little bit. And I was told that when we were, uh, my mom, I think maybe my dad was deer hunting, so my mom had like a, girls weekend so we went to some hotel that had a pool kind of old school where it kind of has like the the pool in the middle of the hotel uh, and, and yeah. so we had one of the rooms that was on the main floor mm. uh in the by the pool and they're all like you know i think there was obviously two beds in there so maybe those four four women maybe they're sharing but i can't remember the whole setup i remember i was on the floor so it was my brother like we were sleeping in sleeping bags on the floor there and apparently i had gotten up 
and walked out the door towards the pool while sleepwalking. So I guess that would be the closest to it um, as far as a near death because uh, that would not have been good. Someone went and got me. Uh, and, and so they, because they heard the door open and then they went, they were calling my name and then they finally went and got me because I was, they could see I was sleepwalking there. Uh, Carter chimes in. I stepped on a tree root when I was little and the root snapped, which sent a foot wide tree down on my head. Uh, still Ooh. in elite Whoa. form though. Ooh. <laughs> elite form. Man. I did get hit in the head with a bas- baseball bat, but I don't think that was uh, near death and it wasn't like I was like assaulted. I was a, uh, <laughs> I was a child. I think I w- it was when I lived in Fort Atkinson. Uh, shout out to Purdy Elementary. I was probably seven years old on the playground, and I don't think they do this anymore. But kids just had like bats. Like you just play baseball. Like this is like again when you grow up. The eighties were wild, Chris. Like we just played baseball. That's how you partied back like, then, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the 80s. Like six, seven, eight year olds oh, at elementary school. They just like take some bats and go play some baseball. Oh. So, and again, I wasn't assaulted by like a seven year old. But it was one of those things where he was, uh, someone was swinging a bat, and I don't know if I walked too close to the batter circle or he kind of just swung out of the batter circle. This is a big wood bat, and he cracked me in the side of the head. I don't know who did it. Uh, but my head split open. It was like right in the temple. I still have a scar from it. And I guess there's people probably in Fort Atkinson that thought I died because I, I think I moved not, not that long after this. But I remember, so like blood is like, I was fine at first. I'm like, man, that hurt. Yeah. But then I put my hand in my head and my, my hand was full of blood. So then I remember like almost wanted, I didn't pass out, but I wanted to pass out. And I started, you know, crying. Uh, <laughs> and someone took me to the nurse's office and they put like the butterfly band-aids on it. And It's not your fault. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and then my, my dad came and I got the stitches and, you know, but that night, like we were Dang. getting called back in the day, you get like calls. To that. Yeah. So people are like, are you, you know, like making sure I'm not dead. Yeah. Because if you're six or seven, and you see this kid uh, walking off the the playground with you know hands full of blood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you kind of assume that they died. Ooh, we used to have people. We used to have people uh, when we used to have recess in uh, elementary school. Man, he's get on the swings and try to swing up as high as possible, and then jump at the highest point. And we had somebody. Yeah, we had somebody fall and land, and he bust his head wide open. Oh, this was like the back of his head though. He didn't know. Those kids are living on the side but of the street else today. Man. Those, those kids who were trying Man. to get that as high as they could on the Man. swings. As high those as kids they could. Were insane. I never did it. I never did it. No. No. I never did it. I, no. I never, man, I'm not doing that. You're smarter than that, Chris. Yeah. You, you, back then, even, you knew. Uh, yeah. Tim and Oregon chimes in, whoa, Jimmy, a mob hit at such a young age. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your own money, Jimmy? Right, right. I was, uh, Is that Fat Rob? Yeah. Fat Rob? <laughs> I, had, I was not placing some good bets. I've been bad at gambling my whole life. Uh, this is Roger <laughs> Hamilton. You can chime in with your near-death experiences uh, if you have any for us. Uh, but otherwise, uh, we will uh, take a break here. We'll come back. We'll uh, talk some some Green Bay Packers. David Bakhtiari uh, saying that he, if he was going to, uh, if he was going to sit out that game because he didn't want to play on turf, he would have told us that. So he's mm. saying that not much to that. Maybe that'll pop up in stones. So that's next, Rutledge and Hamilton. Mm. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue, and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt. Rutledge and Hamilton continues. 
live from the Everlight Solar Studio. Get into the show, 844-770-3776. Jim Rutledge alongside former Badger Chris Orr. Mark Tauscher joining the show in about 10 minutes. Primetime Wollersheim behind the glass. And we did ask you earlier in the show, if you were to be a coordinator in the NFL, what job could you do? And 46% of you say offensive coordinator, followed by 30% of you say defensive coordinator. The rest of you say special teams coordinator, Chris Orr. I, I mean, that might be the right order, to be honest. Like, the game, the way the game is set up nowadays is set up for the offense, is set up to score points. One of the first things they tell you when you get to the NFL, when you meet with these refs, they say that, guys, what drives our league? Who who drives our league? What drives our league? Points. Who's responsible for the majority of the points in the league? Quarterbacks. So, of course, we're protecting the quarterbacks. Of course, we're protecting the receivers because people like the points. So, anything close, yes, we're going to call it against you. So, it is a little skewed for the offense. So, it might be a little easier to do offense. But I just, I just can't see anybody having success. At all. No. Uh, get into the show, 844-770-3776. We are uh, talking some Packers here. Some news to David Bakhtiari. He's tired of the rumors. He said, basically, if he was going to you know, sit out because he had a problem with the turf, he would have made more of a ruckus about it. Yeah. And, look, that's, that's fine. Because from our perspective, we talked about it yesterday, I don't have a problem if David Bakhtiari wants to sit out because mm-hmm. of uh, the the turf. He's not practicing. His knee is he's literally on his last leg. Yeah, he's got one more. <laughs> I mean, he's got one more shot at this. And so, if this is what will make it work for him mm-hmm. to be able to finish the season, yeah. And he maybe I didn't think he was going to play. I was already proven right on that. I said there's no way he's playing every game this year. Yeah. So he's already proven right on that. If he can play 12 games. Look, this is why you keep Yash around. This is why you keep the other tackles around. This is what you you have to kind of account for. It. This is probably why he won't be a Packer next year, but his contract doesn't really allow him to be traded easily. Mm-hmm. You weren't going to cut him, yeah. and he's a, he's a good football player. He just might not be able to play all the time. And uh, Lucas Van Ness is on the injury report now. And Let's go! I uh, will have to see on that. Rashawn Gary didn't practice today. I think uh, Lucas Van Ness did not practice today. So no, he did practice. No, he today. did practice. He today. returned okay. to practice. Returned mm. to practice today. So uh, hopefully he'll be ready to go. Christian Watson looks like he's getting closer. He participated in individual drills. Yes. whatever that means. Oh, okay. I mean, so he's not quite ready for full contact. I guess. Yeah, that, well, individual drills just basically mean. Uh, when you're just with your position coach, like we were talking yeah. earlier. So like he just didn't do like team or seven on seven. And then we have. Uh, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins not practicing. I don't think Jenkins is going to play. Mm. And Aaron Jones went through stretch but did not come outside for drills. Yeah, that makes sense. So you here's the me? question I have. It's tough. And 844-770-3776. How many games? Uh, so the Packers basically have, what, three games in 10 days? Is that is what's coming up here? Uh, yeah, because they have the Thursday night game. So, yeah, it would be yeah the Sunday to Thursday. So Thursday next week against the Lions, I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, 10 days. Yeah, so they have mm. three games in 10 days. I don't think if Aaron Jones is missing this one, I doubt he makes that Thursday. Yeah. So I mean, with the stretch coming up, if they don't have Aaron Jones, Chris, in eight four four seven seven zero thirty seven seventy six, you can chime in as well. How many games are they winning? They have to play three and ten, and Ooh. it's right on top of each other. 
And these aren't going to be easy games. I mean, the Saints are not a, a cakewalk of a team. Mm-mm. And they especially there's their strength, their bread and butter is their defense. Their offense is pretty meh. Yeah. But then you have the Saints, Lions, and Raiders should be that should be a nice win for you. That's out in Vegas. So obviously there could be like a Vegas flu thing going mm-hmm. on with the team. But in general, <laughs> uh, if they as long as they get one out of those three, it's not great, but at least, you know, get that Raiders win. Yeah, yeah. If they get one out of those three, uh Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're feeling good. With no Aaron Jones, one of those three, because the Saints are probably, they feel like a playoff team. The Lions, I think, are going to win the division. Raiders do not feel like a playoff team. Then you have the Broncos, too. I I think that they probably are pushing for him to be back uh, for that Thursday night game with the Lions. Because I'm not saying he'll be 100%, but if it's like, okay, you can go, we'll use you sparingly. Then I'm sure they'd rather have him in there. Than, well, than a hamstring's different. I mean, yeah, you know more different. than I do on this, but like a hamstring, it's not like yeah. you're coming back like, oh, you got a a broken hand. We'll mm-hmm. just tie it. We'll just kind of wrap it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. A hamstring, if it's yeah. not right, it can go yeah. again. Well, it depends on where where he pulled his hamstring at or where he like tore it at or whatever. Because the closer, like the higher up it is, the closer it is to your like butt the worse it is because it's more of like a fast twitch thing. It's more of when he has to move really quickly or change directions uh, laterally, then that's when he's going to feel it versus when it's a little closer to like your knee. uh, You're supposed to be able to recover from that a little faster because you just use your glute, use your glutes for so much more than people think. That's why you always see when you see these guys doing their like warmups, you always got, they always got those glute bands on is because if you can turn your glutes on, then you take a lot of stress away from your hamstrings. So it just depends on where it depends on it depends on where his like injury is actually located on the hamstring. But yeah, hamstrings are tricky. We'll talk to Mark Tauscher about that next. Uh, I want to tell you quickly about my good friends at Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience at Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. Go say what's up to my friend Dan out there or Aaron, who I bought the, the truck from. I uh, used the truck to uh, – look, now I put the kayaks in it. We went kayaking this mm-hmm. Sunday, Chris, and so I got a truck bed, uh, extender. Popped that on the back of the, the truck from Simden. I didn't have to buy a big expensive rack or anything like that. I yeah. was able to fit three kayaks in the back of the truck and use a truck bed extender and nice. went out and went kayaking uh, down the Yahar uh, River, and so that was a great time. The, the trucks, uh, obviously the Chevy trucks are fantastic, Silverado or Colorado, but even better is the buying experience at Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. If you're looking for a better buying experience, I recommend Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. Mark Tauscher, Packer Hall of Famer, Badger Broadcaster, coming up next. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. Miss any of the show? Find full show podcasts free on Wisconsin On Demand and wherever you get your podcasts. Green Bay Hall of Famer Mark Tauscher on Rutledge and Hamilton is brought to you by Chalmers Jewelers. Chalmers Jewelers, with locations in Middleton and downtown Madison. seems like good walk-up music for yeah, Mark yeah, Tauscher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like an offensive lineman, oh, kind yeah. of a, str- oh, yeah. a slow stroll mm-hmm. uh, a to it. Mark, what do you think about that? Is this kind of what, ba- what Bakhtiari is walking up to when he when he, get, when he actually does get a chance to play? Uh, I mean, everybody's got different choices in music. Uh, I wouldn't pick that, but <laughs> uh, that's just me. Uh, we're joined by Mark Tauscher, Packer Hall of Famer, Badger Broadcaster, and I want to get to some football stuff, but I... I 
I heard, I don't know if this was uh, today or if it was earlier in the week, but Howard Stern had Larry David on, and Chris Orr is upset with the question and upset with Larry David after <laughs> this, but uh, I want you to hear this clip, and then I'll ask you the question. Let's go ahead and hear Larry David with Howard Stern. I heard that you said that you could coach the Jets. Like, you were being serious, right? You, you believe that you are... I, I think with a, just with a little studying, I think I could be a tremendous offensive coordinator. Really? <laughs> and, and defensive coordinator, yes. I, I, I see many things that I know I could fix. Don't you think that would be a great curb season where you become... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. what, are you that much of a football fan? I, I think I'm an average football fan. I'm a, I'm a big Jet fan. What gives you? Is there any evidence that you you could do this kind of job? When when I was a kid and we used to play football in the parking lot, right? Uh, I, I would des- I would design very good plays. Yeah, and you would, and you're being serious. <laughs> yeah, you're being, I, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why? Why couldn't I do that? And by the way, <laughs> other people do it. Why not me? And so, uh, Mark, and I prompted the question because uh, fans watch the games, Mark, and everyone's like, I could I could do what. Uh, Joe Barry's no, doing. Can't. Joe Barry stinks. No, yeah, they can't. But they like, can't. but if they were walking Larry off, David the, <laughs> and you sound like you know Chris has done the same thing here. But which one of the three is the easiest? Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator? Uh, special teams coordinator would be the easiest mm. of the group because realistically, if you have a place kicker, a long snapper, and a punter, <laughs> uh, everything else you can kind of scheme up and card. And I mean, it's still. The average fan can't do it, um, but I think if you trained and you studied, you could probably you GA'd and you did all the process to learn. Yeah, but that's going to be a four or five, six year process. Uh, it's insulting, and I know Larry <laughs> David's a comedian, but it's insulting because, and Chris knows this better than uh, almost anybody, the amount of hours that these coaches put in and mm-hmm. study and grind and do that, um, it's a lot more difficult than being an actor. Now, now, Larry David has a great skill set. He is a fantastic writer, director, and what he did with Seinfeld is genius. But if somebody came and said, you know what, Larry, I could have done the same thing you did, it would have been no problem, he'd be insulted. So mm-hmm. it's all just kind of a gimmicky deal. Larry David is a creative genius, but Larry David would be god-awful <laughs> in any capacity in coaching. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought up the the man hours it takes to be a coach because when people watch these games and they're like, "What are we doing? What are we doing? We're we're not we're not doing anything. Throw the ball downfield or cover the running back in the flat," which seems to be everybody's uh, favorite. Uh, they don't understand that so many hours go into putting a game plan together. So many hours go into running certain plays and every now and then you just have a record man rather that be a coach deciding to do something that he's never done all year all of a sudden when he's facing y'all or a player that just decides to i woke up on the side of greatness today i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna have an amazing game today and entirely ruin your plan aka chase young in 2019 yeah every uh every coach will tell you it's a lot easier to coach when you got studs mm-hmm. that make plays and that do all that, you know, that know what they're doing. You know, coaches are there to put them in good positions. Um, it's a hard job. I'm not sitting here saying it's, you know, doctor or, you know, scientist, any of that stuff. But what I would say is I think a lot of these coaches actually do too much mm-hmm. and they overthink and outthink themselves. Mm-hmm. Where when you, you know, every time I was on a team that struggled, and we lost a couple of games. It always came back to simplify and get back to the basics. Yep. And good coaches 
it's not as much X's and O's and scheme. It's about understanding what your players need, when they need it, and how do you deliver it to them. And if you do that, you're going to be a successful coach unless you're the Chicago Bears. <laughs> so, you know what? You brought that up, and I, you know it is wild what is going down in Chicago today. Their left tackle on the IR, probably out for the year. Tough. Justin Fields calls out their coach, former Packers, Tough. offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. And you guys can chime in on... Basically, Fields is saying I'm being overcoached. I'm yeah. not allowed to. I'm like they're they're making me think too much. But then also their defensive coordinator uh, resigns, Ugh. and it seems like not surprisingly, X was full of a lot of rumors. His attorney Alan Williams has said nothing. No law enforcement is raided anywhere. There's no law enforcement charges against Alan Williams, so he is resigning for health reasons. But I mean, Mark, you and I have talked about this off the air. But how much, just as an organization, top to bottom, and, and like, it pains me to say this, the Packers are just the complete polar opposite of Chicago who can't seem to get anything right. Yeah, it's it's uncanny. And, you know, quarterback helps. There's no doubt. I think when you have the stability that the Packers have been able to have for, you know, 30 years, and it looks like another 10 or 15 coming here. But I think when you, when you kind of take this thing in big picture, I didn't realize, and I think I, I knew that that game was big, the opener. I knew it was really big for the Bears because – they decide to keep Justin Fields. They don't draft Bryce Young. They get draft picks. And all of that hype and expectation, and I, I really felt like if they don't find a way to beat the Packers this year with Aaron Rodgers leaving, it's going to implode. I had no clue it was going to implode to this degree. But when your organization is fragile and you've had a lot of losing, you need something to galvanize and to turn it around. I think this year that could have been the case. And when they didn't do that, that was like their Super Bowl, and they're going to have that hangover effect. And I, all of this other stuff that's going on, I, I don't think anybody could have anticipated. But organizationally, I don't think anybody that's not biased completely would look at it and say, man, Green Bay is just so much better at what they're doing than what the Chicago Bears are. I think we, you know, if you're a Bears fan, the best thing you could hope for right now is just sell the team and restart. Yeah, That's what I would yeah. hope for. You're going to be building a new stadium. Just clean house. McCaskey's, hey, great run. You had it for uh, 100 years. It's time to move on. I think if I'm a Bears fan, that's what I would be thinking today. That's tough. That's tough. I love what you said about uh, the hype. I, I have this feeling that usually when teams get a lot of hype and they don't overcome a, cert a certain hump that's been holding them back for X amount of years or however many seasons or whatever the case is, that that usually leads to getting imploded. Um I actually have a question for you. Do you th do you think that I mean I know it's too early, but do you think that you can see some signs of that from the Badgers? I hope not. You mean the implosion? No, I I just think so. There's different stages you can go through, and with Justin Fields of the Bears, that's a whole different deal. Right. I think what happened with the Wisconsin Badgers, and you know, obviously it's the first three weeks. I don't think have gone according to plan for Coach Fickle, for the fans, for anybody, because we've had some some tough games that we won, and then obviously the game out in Pullman that we got beat in. But you have to uh, – college coaching, when you bring a whole new system in, I think players mm – -hmm. I'm just looking at it from an offensive lineman standpoint. I, let's yep. say Tanner Bordelini. So I've been doing things a certain way for mm -hmm. my whole life. And then you come in, and now everything is different. And you can practice it and rep it, but everything is different. So when you're out there playing – your goal is to not think. It's, up. Oh, okay, I'm thinking three steps ahead. Yeah. Oh, this guy's lined up here. If he rocks here, I got my left guard. I'm going to work up. We're doing this. He comes here, boom, boom. 
and you're not thinking about it. You're just going out and doing it. Yep. And when you're not doing that, you know, everybody's like, well, why is it off to a slow start? The defense, you know, it's a different, it's a different defense. You're not all of a sudden, you've been in the same system. Let's say you're with Jimmy Leonard. Oh, I know this, this call, this is what's going to happen. This is what they can do. I can counter this. Boom, boom. And you yep. just go out and react. When you're doing that, you get to play and fly and do, you know, fly around and do everything. And that's why I think Coach Pickle, he says, let it fly. He's trying to get that in his guys, but you have to have the confidence to mm-hmm. do it. And I don't think right now the guys are as confident. I think as, as you've seen the way we've played in the third quarters, the guys are learning and they're understanding, but every week is a different challenge. And I don't think there's a comfortability with the coaches to say, this guy's really good doing this. Let's get him in this position all the time. You know, whether it's Braylon Allen, he obviously running downhill and lathering him up and getting him a bunch of carries. You're getting him out in space and doing swing passes. Is that benefiting him? You know, he's trying to get his skill set. So there's all these questions that still have to be answered, and it takes time. And nobody wants to say it takes time because everybody wants that instant gratification that we're in. So that's my analysis of it, and I think I'm fairly spot on. I am not worried about it. I think you're going to see, and Fickle has said this numerous times, this team we're watching right now, if this is the same team when we go up to Minnesota to close out the year, then you can be concerned. But right. if I'm guessing you're going to see market improvement from now until then. Talking with Mark Tausch here, Packer Hall of Famer. You can hear him, Wildey and Tausch, uh, also Badger broadcaster. On the Badgers, you know, this game against Purdue, looking ahead to it, to me, this beating Buffalo at home, beating Georgia Southern at home is one thing, mm-hmm. but beating a Big Ten opponent on the road, no matter how good or bad they are, Mark, how much of it could that kind of click in this believe factor too? That not that the coaches don't and the players don't like fully believe, but to see it actually executed on the field against a, a good Big Ten opponent, uh, I feel like that means more, and the players can even believe in what the coaches are selling them more if you can go on the road and win your first Big Ten game. Yeah, for sure. It's it always comes back to you can hear all the right things, say all the right things, but just like players have to prove it and earn their teammates' respect, it's the same thing, coaches and players. When you're you know, you, you beat Buffalo, nobody cares because it's all you should beat Buffalo. You go on the road, and I don't care Purdue's down a little bit. You win a road game in the Big Ten, you've, you're doing something right. And if you can go out and have a good performance and put up a bunch of points and start get, feeling better about where you're at offensively and you make some stops and you feel better defensively, all of a sudden everybody's belief in what you're doing. Because I think right now there's, you know, everybody believes in what Luke Fickle's do, doing. But I think from a system standpoint and everything else, you're still trying to get your head wrapped around, well, why are we doing this? And once you can figure that out and then it clicks, that's when you can take that next big step. And I think Friday night, you know, you're the only game in town. You're, you're on the road. It's a game that hopefully we you know, should look good doing and playing and winning. If you can do all that, yeah, the belief, you get the buy, and everybody's just feeling a heck of a lot better about where they're at with uh, this season unfolding. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I love what you mentioned earlier because it's something that I was trying to explain to people to temper and uh, just be ready for it for throughout the season. I love that you pointed out the O-line, too, specifically. And I was telling them how, like, yeah, like, we're O-line you, but a lot of these guys have been trained to run power out of the I formation. They've been trained to have these uh, the running backs and tight ends and YT protections and doing full turns, and now they're going to be on the island, and we're getting five out every play, like – it's going to take some time to get used to. I love that you mentioned the freedom because I think that's something that is hard to see. It's hard for the uh, 
everyday fan to see when a team is playing with confidence and they're playing freer and you keep seeing guys being one step too late or maybe a step early and it's like yeah, he's just he's got to get into the into the groove of this new scheme and this new way of doing things. But I'm I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear that you you feel you feel good good about our Badgers come the end of the season. I do too. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really easy to say, well, we this is what we should be doing and this is how it is. But from a player standpoint, you have to go out and do it. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you're a half a step slow, you're beat. Whether it's yep. being an offensive tackle and you. You're thinking something's going to happen. And the more you see and experience stuff, the better and more comfortable you're going to be. And the more you can get in that position, the more success you're going to have. And the only thing that builds confidence in football players is by having success. You can talk about it and draw it up on a blackboard, do all this other stuff. But going out and doing it and then seeing it and understanding it and getting that comprehension of what you're trying to get done and then just being free to go play – once you get to that point, that's when things start clicking and that's when you start seeing better results. Mark, uh, last thing uh, for you here with the Packers. Uh, they're obviously Bakhtiari, I guess TBD, Jenkins didn't practice today, Aaron Jones, uh, I think kind of just did some stretching. Watson out there for some of the drills, but Lucas Van Ness is back out there. So uh, combined with the healthier for the Packers, how big of a test is New Orleans, who's got a, a heck of a defense. The offense looks still sputtering, but uh, New Orleans' uh, defense looks up to the task. Yeah, I, I mean, I think at this point, you know, Green Bay every week is going to be a, ch- a challenge and a big test, and you get more data on your quarterback. You get more ideas on who's your guys, and Jaden Reed, can he continue to compound things? And I think this is one of those games you, you kind of mentioned it. I, I don't think this offense, they got Michael Thomas, and, you know, they have different weapons that they can go to, but the defense got shredded. The coach called them out. Uh, this is one of those, if you have the group that you think you have, they're going to respond. You get home crowd to help play. Uh, this is one of those games I would think defensively they should be salivating to get after Derek Carr uh, and get their numbers up. And This is, I think, a game that the defense needs to dominate. And hopefully the offense can you know, just take some steps forward. Uh, but if they're scoring 24, 28 points a game like they've been doing, 24-28 uh, is going to be enough to beat New Orleans, if you're asking me. And I think getting uh, getting that back at home and trying to bounce back from a game that you feel like you should have won, uh, everything should be lining up. I think Green Bay should be in a pretty good spot heading into the weekend, especially if they can get a couple of those guys you just mentioned back uh, and ready to play. He's Mark Tauscher. Chris Orr with you. This is Rutledge and Hamilton. Mark Tauscher brought to you by our good friends at uh, Chalmers Jewelers. Helps keep Mark out of the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, they do. All right. This is Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue, and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt. Don't know who's going to win Minute to Win It, but uh, not Minute to Win It, uh, Throwing Stones. I don't know who's going to win Throwing Stones, <laughs> but I do know. Like, man, I'm taking a lot of pseudofedrin right now. <laughs> I'm getting through the shows. I felt like a criminal, Chris Orr, trying to buy the pseudofedrin. You have to buy it behind the can- behind like from the pharmacist at uh, the at the drugstore. Uh, I went to like Walgreens <laughs> because I read that in the FDA. It's so it's not like it came from the FDA. They said that uh, the decongestion that's in most common. Uh, you know, NyQuil, all that kind of stuff is mm-hmm. not effective. Has no effect. Just have no 
No effect at all on as beta decongestant. Wow. Do not work. And so the only one that does work is pseudofedrin, but that's used for drugs. And mm. so like you have to like go up to the pharmacist. I think they kind of eyeball you, and it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, can I get some pseudofedrin? They're like, why? I'm like, well, I just the FDA just said none of the other stuff works. He's like, okay, so he's like, are you using it for yourself? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got my nose is running as we're talking here. He's like, okay. And so he gets it. How many do you want? I'm like, well, what are they coming? 24, blah, 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 or 99. I'm like, I just need 24. Like, what are we doing right now? So I got the 24, but then you have to like show your ID. Wow. And they scan your ID. And then you have to mark like, I'm not going to give this to drug dealers so they can make drugs with wow. it. Wow. Yeah. So like, they really make you, they really make you work when you're sick to like, wow. to go ahead and, 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 and buy this. So it felt a little bit... Uh, I felt a little dirty buying it, but uh, you can go be a winner. Go to Ho Chunk Gaming Madison. That's where winners go. Uh, go to Ho Chunk Gaming Madison. Nearly uh, thirteen million dollars in jackpots last month. Uh, so what are you waiting for? Go be a winner. Let's throw some stones. The guys think they have the answers to everything. I'm the best there is. People like me. So it's time to put them to the test. That's some booty, Jim. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. This is Throwing Stones, presented by Metro Kia of Madison, Madison's trusted Kia dealership. All right, guys, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, boy, do they confuse me. Uh, I got questions. I've been reading too much, too many questions to ask. So I bring them here to you, Chris and Jim, looking for answers. I'll score the answers throughout, and at the end, I'll decide today's winner of Throwing Stones. So... The first thing that caught my attention today, as it did for most basketball fans, and I imagine specifically Knicks fans, was uh, James Dolan, a quote he had in the New York Times. James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knickerbockers, (laughs) anyone familiar, one of the more downtrodden NBA franchises who repeatedly asked to have their owner fired. For incompetence, he threw Spike Lee out of games, he's thrown Hall of Famers, like former Mm. players, out of games. Charles Oakley, yeah. Charles Oakley, yes, exactly. Iconic, has really not like treated the fan base or the team well at all. In Mm. fact, he was speaking to uh, the New York Times, and I don't know the context of the quote because it's a New York Times article, so I didn't pay to read it, (laughs) Um, but I did see the quote, and all it says was, quote, I don't really like owning teams. So he's a New York Knicks owner as well as the owner of a few other teams. So oh, my. Great. It, it really made me wonder, like, guys, you know all these owners, like, they don't want to actually pay to make sure the turf or the grass mm-hmm. is good for the NFL teams. They don't care about player safety a lot of times. How many of these owners do you think actually enjoy being owners, whereas most Ooh. of them are just in it for the money? Jim, I'll start with you. I think the newer owners really enjoy it mm-hmm. because it's one of those things that they've aspired to. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of – and Dolan falls into that because I think it's his – I think it's family. He inherited it from yeah. his father, yeah. So, look, I am not... I think nepotism... Like, I'm always looking side-eyed at someone inherits a business from yeah. someone else in their family uh, because someone else started it. Is this your passion? Is this yeah. what you want to do? And then we talk about something like owning a sports team. Like, you have to understand, like, there's not a a year-in, year-out value. Like, mm-hmm. the, the Bears struggle with this because they don't have... Like, the McCaskies don't have jobs. They mm-hmm. own the Bears. And so there has to be revenue stream mm-hmm. for it. And they don't, they're not cheap, but the idea that they then have to split it up amongst all the other family mm-hmm. members that are yeah. part owners of the team. So it's not a it's not something where when they sell it, there'll be tons of money for everyone, but mm-hmm. they haven't sold it yet. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to till Virginia passes. And uh, she's w- over 100 now. But my point is, 
I think they love it, but they don't know what to do on it. And I think yeah. if someone comes in and buys the Bears or look at the Herb Coles, another one that I think loved the Bucks but didn't know what to do with it. So I think some of the older owners that got into it when it was lower either aren't in love with it or didn't really know what they were doing. And yeah. I think these newer owners really uh, have a passion for it and some strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I think the older owners definitely view the teams more so as assets. And, and the newer owners have the understanding that – you have to be you have to be somewhat pleasing to your players. You need to be somewhat pleasing to the public as well. Whereas yeah. before, the the older owners kind of had a thought of ah, I kind of just stay out the way. They play football and I just collect the checks. This is a this is an asset for me. Yeah, I think you guys broke that yeah. on with that one. Mm-hmm. All right, the other question I have for you then is: We said or we asked, do fans think that they could be an offensive corner, defensive corner in the NFL with little mm-hmm. to no experience? But I'm curious about you guys. What job do you have little to no experience in, but you're convinced you could be really, really good at? Chris, uh, I'll start with you. Oh, I'm going to go with coaching. <laughs> I'm going to go with coaching. I, yeah, right, I'm going to go with one. coaching. Not necessarily saying I'll be like a coordinator or something, but I, I definitely think I could coach I could coach some linebackers at the collegiate or NFL level for sure. Okay. Jim? Uh, I would go with like a scout. Scout for like baseball? Anything. Like I, I think I could basketball, football, or baseball. I think I could like think spot talent. Yeah. I remember okay. so I wrote for scout.com back in the day with the Palm Beach Cardinals. And there was a player, Alan Craig, who ended up being a good player for the Cardinals, part of one of the reasons when the World Series. Okay. But I watched him, this was low A ball, and I, I can pull out the, the articles, I kept them. I kept on talking about how Alan Craig was a guy that the bat sounded different off his bat. Mm. Uh, excuse me, the ball sounded different off his bat. The way he ran, everything about him stood out at that level. Mm. And obviously, that's just you know at that one level. But there was just you could feel it the way he carried himself. Everything yeah. about it was like this guy just seemed, and he had the stats too. Seems like a, a major league ball player, and yeah. he ended up being a pretty good player for the Cardinals. So All I've right. already done it once. Oh, okay. So you have experience. So you didn't get the question correct. <laughs> All right. Well, then the last thing I'll ask, guys, is Chris Evans, well-known actor, played Captain America in the Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, he spoke to GQ recently saying he plans to act less regularly going forward. He said, quote, I'd like to just smoke a joint, put on some music, and get into pottery. So <laughs> I ask you guys, if you had to quit your day jobs, what would you go and just start doing each day, every day? Jim, mm. I'll start with you. Well, I mean, if I, I'll just if I don't have to work, yeah, you just quit your day job. Say you retire early, you have the money, you have the resources. I'll just do what Chris Evans is doing. That sounds that sounds fun. <laughs> Maybe mixing up just being on a boat. I don't know if I want to do pottery, but just kind of I just want to <laughs> hang. Or apparently, what uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo his day. Yeah, you know, like, I mean that's that sounded pretty good too. So yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah, yeah, Mad, Mad Dog's day and, and uh, Chris Evans' day sounds great. I'd probably just add in like I'd probably be fishing. I'd probably go fishing. Yeah, man. just chill. So in, instead of being, you know, doing the pottery, you just yeah, be focused be on casting out the line. Oh, yeah. You'd be on the oh, water. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be in a boat, but I'd definitely be fishing. Probably right out the dock. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I'd could, definitely be fishing. I could see Chris Orr being the wise old guy, yeah. fishing right, fishing <laughs> rod, teaching the young whippersnappers, going going to practices, <laughs> teaching them oh, yeah. how to tackle correctly, oh, yeah. how to reel in that oh, fish. Yeah. What y'all are doing is wrong. Let me oh, tell yeah. you, back in my day. Before targeting was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what you're doing right today, Chris? And that was throwing stones. You're today's winner, man. It's an honor. Congratulations. It's an honor. Well, uh, I, I I don't trust Ryan anymore. Do we are supposed to go to break? Where are we at right now? Are you playing music? What are we at? 
What do I got the for show time? is on its way out. Uh, we have uh, two minutes left. Oh, okay. Actually, no, we have uh, one minute left. See, can't trust this guy. <laughs> look, he look. took a whole minute off of it. <laughs> I got it now, all he's right? Been, I he's, promise. Uh, Chris, he's been struggling the second half of the show. Oh, man. Second so, half, second halves are tough for It's me, ever man. since we called out his dark side. Maybe, maybe it's true. Yeah, but yesterday he forgot to play the music to get us out. I mean, he's just <laughs> he's struggling, riding the struggle bus in the uh, second half. Uh, what is this now? <laughs> this is Take Me Home Tonight. The Russian remix. <laughs> lost his, lost dark his side mind, <laughs> Chris Orr. Uh, we'll be back side. at it tomorrow, our last day, or my last day on the show, because Friday it's uh, Badger pregame. It's the Badger play at 6. There's going to be a special code from Iron Jock tomorrow, so keep an eye out for that. This has been Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. <laughs>